Good morning, angels. Good morning, Charlie. Hello. What? Did you say hello? Did you say hello? Oh, God, Hank, sorry. <laughs> you know, do you not want to say hello today? He's shy, boys and girls, but if we all say hello, he might just pop out. Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. Question, Question. who's on the turntable this week? It's Destiny's Child with Survivor. Now, this has been a much requested uh, album or group that we covered on Track by Track, isn't it? Not just Survivor, but Destiny's Child, period. Yes, absolutely. And one of the most iconic girl groups of all time, of course. And we all, we very, very nearly did the writings on the wall last year or the year before. And then something else just popped up and we had to change our plans. So thankfully now here today, uh, we're talking about Survivor. And before you even ask, Will, the album just turned 20 a few days ago, which is why it is on our record player. So we have already uh, featured Beyonce quite recently, actually, a long overdue appearance for her. Uh, But it's great to be talking about Destiny's Child today. Uh, And if you're not an aficionado on Destiny's Child, uh, I guess let's do a little bit on that first, shall we? Absolutely. So the lineup, I think everyone knows best. It's Beyonce, it's Kelly and it's the other one. (gasps) <gasps> Michelle! Sorry, Michelle. Only joking. But obviously, Beyonce, huge global megastar. Kelly Rowland, almost a huge global megastar. And Michelle Williams, star. She is a star. I'm, I'm going to be spending this episode defending her Will. I can feel it in my waters now. <laughs> Question? Can you name the previous two not as well-known members of Destiny's Child. I can, Will. Four names only, I'm going to be honest here. But I know there was Latoya and Latavia were part of the original four. Um, But I have actually forgotten momentarily the name of the member who kind of quickly came and went. Who was that? You're probably thinking of Farah Franklin. That's the one, yes. She was in and out quicker than... Uh, quicker than uh... Uh, also Dan another question what was sorry Will I won't answer unless you say question so also Dan question can you tell me what they were previously called before they were known as Destiny's Child oh lord no I'm sorry I I imagine it's something else quite religious but uh, no I'm not sure Jesus's babies uh, girls' time. Girls' time. Interesting. I wonder why that changed. I wonder if they'd heard about girl thing on the horizon and thought there might be too much of a, a clash. Yeah. It'd be over, overshadowed by them. Big clash of the titans there. Mm. So we're going to be talking about the third album today from Destiny's Child, which is Survivor. Probably their best known album. 
definitely so. definitely one of their greatest. This was released uh, back in May 2001. So Dan, what's the connection? 20 years ago. 20, yeah, 20 years ago, a few days ago. Is it fair to say as well, Dan, this is where Beyonce started to move away from the pack a little bit, do you think? Well, interestingly, so yeah, this is the last album, ignoring the Christmas album that came later on in the same year, in 2001. This is the last album proper before she became uh, a solo star, before she released Dangerously in Love. Also, more than uh, on the previous album, she did some production work. But even more so on this one, she co-produced and co-wrote the majority of the songs. So yeah, I'd definitely say, um, I wouldn't say she was taking the limelight, but she was just kind of quite naturally becoming the the centre of things. There's a song on here that she actually re-recorded for the solo album. So it definitely makes you think that the, yeah, the, the seed had been planted and the thought was there to, to go it alone. And of course, the manager of Destiny's Child at the time was Matthew Knowles, her father. So perhaps he, he was helping to make that happen. Well, I, I say perhaps absolutely 100% definitely would have been helping with that. It's so good that her uncle was forged, first of all, his own successful music career, but also a TV DIY uh, career. Who's that? Nick Knowles. Oh, yes. <laughs> and what about Rick? Is he the uncle from the other side? Uncle from the other side. You did have an uncle from the other side, didn't you? Yes, uh, he was a ghost that used to appear before me quite quite often, who claimed he was my uncle. I wasn't so sure. Also claimed he was a ghost. It turns out it was just a, a man in a sheet. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should get stuck in, Dan. We've got a lot to get through. Yes, we do. So let's get stuck in. So, side one, track one, Independent Women, part one. So Independent Women Part 1 there. Very important to state that is Part 1. Perhaps there'll be a Part 2 coming later. Uh, and as it was playing, Will, we did say, of course, this song featured in a very, very huge film at the time, didn't it? Yes, Dan. It was featured in Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> um, actually, think about it. The Survivor video looked like it was filmed on the same set. But no, Will, I think you've got your wires crossed, lovey. No, I'm joking, of course. It was Charlie's Angels. It's funny, isn't it? We've had another reboot of Charlie's Angels since since this since Charlie's yes. Angels yeah I forgot yeah and did you see the version this was from Will yeah I absolutely loved it it was it I just loved the whole style because it was very tongue-in-cheek wasn't it and uh Drew Barrymore Lucy Liu and Cameron D Cameron aka D. Cameron Diaz uh who who played Charlie no who played uh Bosley I don't remember Will uh Bill Murray of course it was, yes. Because I I hadn't seen it for... I didn't see it when it first came out. I didn't see it for years and years and years. And then I remember being at your house a few years ago and just spotting the DVD on the shelf. So actually, it was a little bit naughty without you knowing. I took the DVD, I borrowed it to take home and watch. Uh, I was going to bring it back, of course. Uh, but it turned out not to be 
that film. It was Charlie's Angels, a very different uh, remake. Well, you say that, Dan, but I've still not had it back. <laughs> uh, I will return it, Will. It's just, uh, it got lodged in the DVD player, sadly. But this, anyway, let's, let's talk about this song because it's an incredible song. Absolutely, totally uh, Destiny's Child, totally empowering. And it's great to have a, a, a song from a movie soundtrack that not only incorporates some of the elements of the film into it, but at the same time, it's a completely standalone song. Yeah, completely agree. And what I love about it is that, as you said, it incorporates the the, the actress's names right at the start and other elements. But apparently the song or the beginnings of the song was already written and Matthew Knowles submitted it for the film soundtrack without Beyonce even knowing about it. Um, so it, it wasn't originally written for the film, but then it became synonymous with it. And that's the start of that with the, with the kind of name checking, uh, the angels, the actresses. It's, you know, I think a lot of people can mouth along to, to that. Yeah, I mean, this, I believe this is the girl's most successful single to date in terms of sort of worldwide sales. And yeah, I would say that it's so well known by Uber fans and casual fans that, yeah, most people could sing along to the whole thing, including... You can imagine, can't you, being either at a disco back then or going to a, a 2001-themed night, one more time, 2001, say, and everyone in the room just able to mouth or sing along out loud to the intro. Well, and just the chorus as well, you know, all the women who independent, it's a real, yeah, you, you're waving your hand up in the air like you're desperate for the loo there, but that's exactly <laughs> what you would do when you hear the chorus of this song as well. And you are a very strict podcast partner you do make me ask to go to the loo as if i, was in I just think there's nothing wrong with good manners is there <laughs> no but when you say no then that <laughs> does seem like bad manners but you're very obedient well what you don't know is while the songs are playing i'm tinkling into a coke bottle down here <laughs> so this was the lead single release from the album it was released in september uh 2000 dan did he get to number one in the uk it did get to number one, and I've even looked into... I've had a lot of time on my hands today. Well, I'm off work. Uh, just annual leave, nothing serious. Signed off. Signed off sick. <laughs> Signed myself off. And um, so I was able to look even further into it. This knocked off um, S Club 7's Never Had a Dream Come True. Oh, as featured. No, uh, we didn't do that one a few weeks ago. Well, or last we, week. We, Where are we? Uh, very good question. <laughs> But I think we mentioned that song recently. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've been talking about this one so much, but I've not even had time to talk about who is on writing and production. I did mention mm. right at the start, Beyonce's writing and producing most songs on this. Also on this one, uh, Poke and Tone. They later became known as Trackmasters, and they have worked on some iconic things, including Mariah's Butterfly and Will Smith's Big Willie Style. Uh, butterfly and a big willy. <laughs> and also on there, Corey Rooney, who worked on most of J-Lo's bangers. And there are a lot of them. So track number two now. And this uh, is the theme tune to the hit reality series. Driving School. Survivor. <laughs>
Survivor there. Uh, another wonderful, empowering song um, where the girls are singing about the fact that they are survivors because they are still members of Destiny's Child. Yes, they made it through to this round. Uh, round three is this. But there was some trouble uh, after this song was released because Latoya and Latavia, ex-members, filed a lawsuit because some of the lyrics were seen to be insulting. And I think there was something in them leaving where the two groups couldn't slag each other off. Uh, and there's lines about, you thought I'd be stressed without you, but I'm chilling. You thought I wouldn't sell without you, sold nine million. Um, I, I don't think it amounted to anything, but they weren't very happy about that. Because they weren't survivors, Will. No, and where, what are they doing now? Have you done the research, Dan? Because sometimes you do, don't you? Sometimes I do, but no, I just couldn't be asked this week, Will. <laughs> uh, you've had a busy week off doing nothing. I've had a busy week off watching six series of Peep Show. So this was the second single to be released. And it was another huge number one uh, in the UK, uh, but only a number two hit in the States. Interesting. But yes, the second consecutive number one here. And and interestingly, S Club 7's Never Had a Dream Come True knocked them off the top spot uh, when they released Independent Women. Uh, and S Club 7's Don't Stop Moving knocked them off the top spot with this one. Revenge. Yeah. Well, no, they did it twice. Oh. <laughs> did I not make it? I maybe didn't make it clear. No, you didn't make it clear, I'm afraid. <laughs> Uh, and if you wanted to know, if you wanted the prequel as well, they knocked off Emma Bunton's What Took You So Long? Ah, uh, a bit wishy-washy. And do you remember the video for this one, Will? I hinted at it early, but do you remember it? Were they on an island? They were on an island. They were you know, all around about the island. The scene I remember the most, because I love in this video that they all get a time to shine and they all get a good chunk of the song to sing for themselves. And Michelle's, Michelle's vocal and Michelle's... Uh, middle eight it probably is is fantastic but i do remember that when she was doing her bit in the video she was sort of in a lifeboat i think and in the eye of the storm and it did make me think that i haven't seen anyone getting tossed about on a boat that much since you invited me on that cruise <laughs> oh god yes and there was that terrible uh the weather was absolutely awful and i think at one point when you were on deck you nearly got sucked off <laughs> very nearly yes on the poop deck <laughs> You were quite frustrated because you didn't. <laughs> it was a bit of a budget deal there, wasn't it? So I think next time we'll go somewhere a bit nicer. I might let you take me up the Ganges next time. <laughs> uh, Dan, who wrote this, by the way? So this was Beyonce with Matthew Knowles, daddy, uh, and also with Anthony Dent. Or maybe Anthony. Sorry, Mr. Dent. But it is a great song, isn't it? Well, I love the drama of this song. I love the strings. I love the almost rap-like verses. I think it is a one, the composition of this one and the production is flawless and timeless. And I think I said before, Independent Women, their most successful single to date, but one of their most known. But actually, I think this would be, if not joint number one, then maybe number two is their most known song. So track number three now, and Dan, a request. Uh, please, 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 please do not go waving your behind uh, at your FaceTime camera in this next track because I've seen enough of it this week on TikTok. You really <laughs> have had a lot of time on your hands. I'm getting a lot of followers. Also now, my only fans, but I'll put the link in the bio later. <laughs> Here it is. Can you handle this, Michelle? Can you handle this, Beyonce? Can you handle this? I don't think they can handle this. 
delicious. Uh, this was another single, uh, and it was another number one for the girls in the States, uh, and it got to number one in the UK as well. No, it didn't. It got to number two in the UK. <laughs> it got to number two, held off by Atomic Kittens' Eternal Flame. Oh, such a beautiful song. Now, of course, one of the most instantly recognisable parts of this song is the sample from Stevie Nicks' Edge of Seventeen, which in itself, an incredible song. I'm, I'm in love with that song. It's one of my favourites. I'd even say I love that far more than some of the Fleetwood Mac songs. But I don't know about you, Will, I didn't know that that was a sample of that song until many years afterwards. No, uh, same actually, shows our musical ignorance there. But actually, part of the whole track-by-track process is uh, all of the fascinating stuff we're learning along the way, isn't it? It is. I'd like to say I know that far before track-by-track. I don't want listeners to think I've only learned that today. I'd be very upset with them if that's what they thought. Well, I think you've made uh, more shocking disclosures on this uh, podcast over the years, actually. Uh, Probably quite true. Let's not not talk about them now. (laughs) Some which have gotten quite a backlash on social media, actually, I have to yes. say. Yes, I was nearly cancelled, wasn't I? Yes, I keep trying, but <laughs> it just doesn't seem to stick for some reason. We almost had to line up a, a new co-presenter for you. It was, was going to be Piers Morgan at one point, and then he got that GMB job. Uh, yeah, but he's not a music fan, um, which is exactly what we were looking for to yes. replace you. <laughs> and he knows nothing about music, so he would have been the perfect replacement. <laughs> just a shame he's a... Horrible, horrible, horrible individual. Just like you. Uh, (laughs) Still. So there's some brilliant attitude and sass in this song, isn't there? Yeah, it's another one that's, um, it feels, you know, it feels like it's full of empowerment. um, Baby, can you handle me? And all that kind of thing. And I just love, I read, I remember reading it years ago and being fascinated by it, that Beyonce was on a flight from, I think, from the UK back to America or something like that. And she she wrote all of this song on the flight. It just came to her out of nowhere. And I just love that idea because it is... I'm just going to contradict myself once again because I said that the previous two songs were their most known. Actually, even though this one didn't get to number one, is this one the most known? Is this the one that you're likely to hear more on a night out? Oh, I don't know. I think it's pretty even, isn't it, between these first three tracks? But the term... I think a lot of people think that the term Bootylicious came from Destiny's Child and it was after this that it was... uh, put into the Oxford English Dictionary, which I'm very pleased to hear. Uh, but actually, the term itself has been used as way back in... Ah, on my notes here, I wrote back. I wrote the year 1002. I think I probably meant 1992 uh, by Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there was... <laughs> Thou art so bootylicious. Way back when. I thought it was booty love that, uh, that coined it. <laughs> the lovely booty love. You're right, booty law. <laughs> they ran so two shoes could walk. <laughs> and a lovely additional pun with the shoes there, actually. Oh, yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. Well done. It's quite um, quite witty for you. It was accidental, of course. Yeah. And on writing and production with this one, it's Beyonce again, of course, as mentioned. But it's also Rob Fasari. Rob, I don't know if we mentioned him before in the podcast, but he has written a lot of things with uh, Gaga. He worked a lot on The Fame, but also ABC's The Lexicon of Love 2. So quite a varied back catalogue he's got there. And I think when I saw ABC a few years ago, he came on with with his guitar. 
and uh, joined him for a couple of songs. Oh, guitar. I wonder what you were talking about then. Guitar. <laughs> Keyboard and guitar. Guitar. Yes, I, I did get it. Just checking. And the one other thing I remember about this one, Will, there was a wonderful mashup. I love a mashup. And there was a great mashup of this with Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. Do you remember seeing that one on the music channels? Yes. It was all over them, wasn't it? I think almost more than the original sometimes. I think it was also at a time when mashups were very in, weren't they? Mm. This, yeah, this would have been just before um, sort of Richard X territory and obviously all of his mashups. And this is where you tell everyone again about, oh, we used to buy those mashup compilation CDs. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> no, well, I actually wasn't going to today, but oh. you've, you've mentioned it now, so... Uh... Move on. Track number four now. This is uh, Nasty Girl. So that was Nasty Girl, which was also a single. It was the final single they released internationally uh, from uh, from Survivor. And Dan, a very familiar vibe in there. What is it that I'm picking up on? Uh, There could be two things you're picking up on there, Will. One is Salt and Pepper's Push It. uh, But the other one is Baltimore's Tarzan Boy. I think it's probably the former, actually. Oh, I was thinking it might be the latter. The former being the first one and the last being the second one. (laughs) Thank you for that. uh... Sorry, I wasn't sure if you... (laughs) No, no. Explaining. Yeah, Yeah, very much. How rude. Yes, there's an interpolation of both. I think it's very clear to stress that on the liner notes, it doesn't say that they're sampled officially. No, no, no. It's just a... Yeah, it's just a a feeling, a mood, a vibe, an atmosphere. But... Thesaurus with you there, lovey. No, just... uh... Just language in its rawest form. So what's this song What's this song all about, Dan? Well, from the lyrics, and I think my first thoughts about it, to be honest, way back when, were that they were trashing uh, a girl. I should get maybe like, I'll just sing her on a night out, as you like to do with me, actually, when we're going out on the town. I often like to pull my clothes apart uh, with language, not with... Physically. Ha- not with hands. <laughs> not- <laughs> Uh, but actually, it's not about that. Well, this is about some of the insults that the girls received from some of their outfits. And I like that they're taking that and they're kind of fighting back with it. I think that's definitely a Destiny's Child theme, but also a Beyonce theme where almost like rev- owning owning their own narrative and throwing some of this stuff back out there as incredible music instead. Yeah, definitely. It's Yeah, it's... Um... Girl power again, Will. Will you stop bloody going on about girl power? I'm not saying the name of a five-piece band who, you know, brought it to the limelight and to everyone's attention. I'm just saying girl power. I remember actually girl years ago, power. probably 96, 97, when Spice Girls were huge and they, uh, and Jerry had a girl power tattoo on her arm. I don't know if it was real or not, but Smash Hits or Top of the Pops gave away some temporary tattoos and that was one of them and I had it on my arm and I thought it was really cool. And I probably thought I was like the first 
male feminist ever. Now, well, you said this was an international single. I don't think it was released in the UK, and I didn't even know it was uh, a single until we were doing the research for this. I've, I've always thought it was a great song. It, it, I'm sure it makes a great single. But, yeah, this was news to me, which is always nice. I, I like to be educated. Uh, yes, and thank you for pulling me up there. But, yes, it wasn't released in the UK, but it was released across Europe and large swathes of the world. And it was a number one in Belgium. Well done, girls. It's a, it's a different sound, isn't it, to the first, the first three very much playing as like big pop bangers with hints of other things in there. This one much, much more beat led, much harder, uh, but still fantastic vocals, fantastic harmonies, wonderful musical breaks in there. I, I really like this one. Track number five now. This is Fancy. The best thing about this song for me is the ascending, that means going up, Dan, yeah. uh, <laughs> harmonies. Where have you learned that from? What do you mean? Well, it's very technical for you. Have you, have you been doing some actual research into musical terminology or something? Have no, you been in a night class say... without my knowledge? No. Hmm. I'm going to have to look into this, but... What a wonderful... Uh, I can only agree with you, Will. It is a wonderful ditty, but that is particularly good because just it goes up and it goes up and it goes up. And there's some lovely little blops and bleeps as well in there. There's blops and bleeps, and I think there's great strings as well in this one. And I'll tell you what it reminds me of, Will, and I should say actually that the song I'm going to say reminds me of that of this because it came anyway, whichever way around you want to put it, uh, a little bit of Mystique's one night stand and of course that album i say of course that album turns 20 later this year so uh listeners if you're mystique fans leave it at that get stuffed (laughs) (laughs) this one well was written and produced with Dwayne higgins uh, formerly of the band tony 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 you a fan Tony, 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 no. I, no. Well, I'm not a fan, but I no, I just don't know them. So I'm not not a fan. I just don't know them. That's a lovely outlook. Uh, also, J.R. Rotem, this was his breakthrough song. Uh, after this, he worked on Rihanna's SOS, Leona's Better in Time, uh, and many others as well. So um, good for him for getting fancy with DC. With G- Gemma Collins? <laughs> DC. Sorry, I just, you're a bit muffled. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, well, listening to this song really made me fancy a French fancy. Well, Dan, hold that thought if you're feeling peckish, because I think you're probably only going to feel more so now as we move into track number six, which is Apple Pie a la mode. Dreams and aspirations 
So apple pie a la mode there. Now, Will, it was only when I was looking into this song that I learned what this meant. Apple pie a la mode is apple pie served with ice cream. But Will, question for you. What do you prefer your apple pie with? Ice cream, custard, carnation, squirty cream, or something else? Disgusting, man. Custard, of course. (laughs) You look like... You actually look genuinely offended. I think most of the time, I hope most of the time you're joking, but you look really mad. Or in keeping with apple pie a la mode, creme anglaise. Oh, lovely. Because there's no translation. There's no equivalent in in French, so they call it English cream. Oh, Elmi. Oh, you you Elmi. said Elmi, yeah. It's not cream, you know. Well, no, it's not cream. I only learned that recently. Absolutely baffling. But it's, it'll keep. Oh, that's why that's the that's the selling the USP. Uh, no, not UHT. It's just <laughs> long life cream. Uh, Dan, what do you think of this song? I really like this. Was one of my early favourites on the album, and I'll be honest, I had this on CD and I played it quite a lot, but I haven't listened to the whole album for years and years and years. But this was always a favourite, and I think I just loved the playfulness of the lyrics, the lullaby love and chocolate covered strawberry. It's just um, very visionary. How about you, Will? Sorry, I'm just thinking about chocolate-covered strawberries <laughs> for a minute there. Absolutely heaven. Mm. Dip that in some custard. Oh, God, no. God, disgusting. Barbaric. Uh, no, this is a nice song. It's a great album track. There's some, lo- there's some very low-key electrical moments in there that I enjoy, though. Yeah, it's, it's low-key is a good way to describe the song. It's very low-key. Uh, talking of low-key, there is, of course, in the introduction, the spoken introduction, Kelly is trying to get uh, Beyonce and Michelle to very subtly turn around and look at someone. And it just makes me think of, if I try to do that with you, you've, you've got the subtlety of... A sledgehammer. A, a, a dump truck with no tyres reversing, let's say. It's almost like watching an owl turn its head around when I've, when I've done that with you before. Well, if you will say, don't look now, but there's the boy from the chip shop uh, out with his mother for a walk. Uh, Come along, mother. (laughs) He's morphing into like an Alan Bennett style character now. Oh, I like him even more. (laughs) But yeah, I do think with actually with this one, do I like it lyrically or is it just because I'm quite a greedy git and just the idea of apple pie and ice cream and chocolate covered strawberries really gets me going probably that one you're actually dribbling now i can see oh god it's sparks all off the microphone track seven now dan and this is what you aspire to be when you're older sexy daddy everybody listen i want to see you dance i don't think you hurt me i want to see you dance get up and dance get up and dance So sexy daddy there. The girls are they're out, they're out for the night. Mm. They're looking having a look around. They're seeing what's 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 available, and they're certainly on the lookout for a sexy daddy, daddy, daddy. Mm. 
An uh, older, more experienced gentleman, maybe, with a bulging wallet to treat them to some fine things. When you say they're on a night out, I'm picturing sort of a walkabout or a slug and lettuce or something like that on a Thursday night. Well, yeah, I and I can remember you dragged me along a few times to your local uh, Yates Wine Lodge <laughs> uh, to do the same thing. And literally... You uh, undressed every man over the age of 40 with your eyes as they walked in the door. It's absolutely obscene. When you say with my eyes, do you mean with my hands? <laughs> you, <laughs> you undressed every man over 40 that walked through the door. Well, you, That's it. It's a trick. A trick of the night. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a fun song. <laughs> yeah, it's a brilliant, upbeat, fun song. Literally, because the lyrics are, I'm going to have fun, 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 fun. And you can't argue with that. Also, musically. Musically. uh, I like how this one, this is more about the beats than anything else we've heard so far. I think it's almost tribal, some of the beats on there, uh, some of the beats and the beat patterns. And this one was uh, Beyonce and Damon Elliott working on this. And Damon Elliott uh, has also worked with Pink, Kalise and Dionne Warwick, among others. Some legends right there. Mm. Track eight. Track number eight now, and this is Independent Women, part two. I congratulate you for my independent women. So that was Independent Women Part 2. I am a big fan on an album. And this is, again, another one of the joys of an album as an album is you often do get songs that are like a part one and a part two or a reprise uh, of of something previously featured. And this is in very interesting, isn't it? What is that sample, Dan? I thought you were going to ask, Will. So that sample comes from... One of the uh, songwriters credited to the song is Frank Comstock, and he wrote the theme tune to Rocky and Bullwinkle, and this is uh, samples from the theme to that. But why? I mean, not not why did he write that, but why is it? <laughs> why? I just don't understand, because I think it's a perfectly serviceable follow-up to Independent Women Part 1. But why? why mix it? Why put it in there? Uh, just a bit of fun, I suppose. Who knows? Do you like the song? I I do like the song, and I think it is a lot of it to do with that effect. But I think I don't think I'm alone in saying that I much prefer part one. A simple yes or no would have sufficed. <laughs> Should we just do that for the next few songs? Do you like it? <laughs> no. Next. <laughs> track by track express. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yes, please. We still get through every track, but it's 15 minutes long. <laughs> At the most. Wonderful to edit, wouldn't it? Ideal. I do remember, though, when, when this one came out, there I'm, I think this was released as a CD single at the same time as part one. And the reason why I think that is because I went to my local independent music supplier at the time and picked it up and accidentally got this version. So I got it home and played it. 
uh, and then I had to return, I had to exchange it back at the shop. But the shopkeeper was furious because this one came with um, a poster and I put it on my wall straight away and then I had to take it off the wall and put it back in the CD. And he noted, he saw the blue tuck marks on the back and he was livid, but he did still let me exchange it, but he wasn't very happy about it. <laughs> uh, that was a loss to him, but good customer service. Yeah, that was Pendulum Records in Retford. Absolutely fun. I spent many an hour in there back in the day. So track number nine now. This is probably what you had on uh, whilst you were uh, rifling through the records in that record shop. Happy face. Happy face there, and I've just remembered. Do you know those biscuits, Happy Faces, Dan? Oh, well, like BMBMs. No, they're like they're like a jammy dodger, but they've got a face instead of a hole, and you've got your jam and cream in in the face. Question for you, Will? Do you yeah. prefer a face or a hole? <laughs> uh, a face. Yeah, me too. Because you don't get you don't get uh, cream in the hole in. <laughs> In jammy dodgers, you just get jam. Very good argument, Will. I think I'll agree with. I was, I was actually thinking the other way around, but no, I think I'll agree with you there. Ah, uh, what a fun song! I love this one, and I said before, Apple Pie Mode might have been the one that I remembered the most and the one that I loved at the time. But actually, this was always my favorite on the album. It's just so uplifting. It's so it's very whimsical, I would say as well. Wonderful strings and also some lovely fast clapping at the end. And just wonderful effects throughout. There's a certain sound throughout it there da, 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 that I don't know what that is. I've heard it somewhere else. Uh, and for the life of me, I'm not sure what or where. So if you do know, or Beyonce, if you're listening, do let us know at no, Track by Track UK. Don't, I don't bother. I don't care, actually. Oh, right. Will doesn't care. So Beyonce, if you're listening, don't get in touch about that sound. Now, Will, lyrically... Lyrically... As you said, this one is so uplifting. And actually, I think you could take a few tips from this one. Beyonce says, woke up and realised this world's not so bad after all. You actually prefer to get up on the wrong side of bed, don't you? I know, I do. I must confess. And I texted you this morning and said, I'm in a strangely good mood this morning. And I really hope it goes before we record later. And I've done my bit I've... to try and wind you up as the day's gone on. You've done all the favourites. You were late for recording. You ignored my text messages. Uh, and you had a ridiculous technical hitch at the start. Uh, and thankfully, I'm now absolutely livid. Yeah, scathing, actually. That vein's come back. Well, I don't know how you could see through these jeans. <laughs> Very protruding, actually. Uh, there's also the line about there's plenty of people who don't like me, but there's 10 times more who love me and I love myself. I'm not sure about the 10 times more who love you, but certainly uh, part one and part three of that, I think, could work for you. Right, I'm I'm getting really hacked off with you now. Let's carry on. Because, <laughs> yes, it's working. <laughs> so track number 10 now, and this is Emotion. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So that was Emotion there. What a, a lovely track. And considering it's quite slow and quite tender, you'd be surprised that I do like that. Do you know what, Will? By the time we get to the end of this year, I think you're going to be listening to nothing but Celine Dion ballads and things like that. Because you really are opening up to ballads more and more as we go on, aren't you? Uh, just the right ones. Um, of course, this was a cover mm-hmm. of the Bee Gees. Yep, written by Barry and Robin. Uh, first recorded by Samantha Sang. Samantha Sang it first, you could say, in 78. But then they recorded their own version of it in 94. Uh, and then I didn't realise that... Um, I thought that was it and then this version. But in between, there was a version by Regine Velasquez in 98, which had the almost exact same backing track produced by Mark J. Feist, who produced this, which then uh, Destiny Child recorded. So I I wonder if they knew. I wonder if Destiny Child knew that they were just kind of singing over a karaoke track, essentially. Because I don't think they'd been very happy with that. I think this is one of the Destiny's Child tracks where they sound at their very best. Yeah. Yeah, it's was back. Here you go. Well, I know you, you finish yourself off. It's stripped back, probably more than anything else we've heard so far, so you can really just hear the vocals and those three-part harmonies. This was a single, got to number three uh, in the UK, and it got to number 10 in the US. Hmm. Uh, And on the UK charts, well, this was number three, as you said, because Blue pipped them to the number one spot and with If You Come Back, and Westlife, who were number one the week before, dropped to number two with Queen of My Heart. And Will... You're the queen of my heart. Oh, it's a lovely thing to say. Mm. Track number 11 now, and this is Dangerously in Love. It feels so good, it hurts sometimes. Creating this world to love, to hold, to feel, to breathe, to live. So dangerously in love there, Dan, which reminds me of the time you went on that hike with the boy from the chip shop and you got to uh, a particularly high peak and you decided to confess all. But a bit like uh, Janine and Barry in that classic EastEnders scene. He did love me. I know he did. <laughs> so this isn't the only version of this track, is there? Is it? It's not. This is, we kind of alluded to it right at the start, but this Dangerously in Love is the title of Beyonce's solo album. And she re-recorded this song as Dangerously in Love 2 for it, which I think both of those things are very strange decisions. It's strange to re-record a, a song you did with your band only only a few a couple of years before, but also to na- then name your album after that. She must think a lot of this song. Will, do you think a lot of this song? Uh, not really, no. Uh, it's uh, it's nice. It's nice enough, uh, but it's uh, yeah, again for me. This is where the album feels a little bit like when I said at the start. Do you think this is where Beyonce started to pull away from the girls? It does. Maybe it's because I know this uh, this song in the context of the Beyonce album now, but it doesn't feel like a Destiny's Child track. Yeah, definitely get that. They feel like 
you know, the, the harmonies together are great, but on this one more than any other, they feel more like the backing singers rather than the co-stars. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't dislike this song. I said on the Lemonade episode, I'm not the biggest fan of Beyonce ballads. I much prefer her when she's giving it attitude. Uh, but this is quite a nice mid-tempo ballad. I'm getting kind of maybe like Tony Braxton vibes or something like that. I think the guitar's doing that. Uh, and this one was co-written and produced with Errol McCalla Jr., who I've got nothing else on, Will. I've got no dirt on him. <laughs> but I have like one of them, on you. Like one of the bloody 3am girls, aren't you? <laughs> or Dan Wooten. God, no, please. So track number 12 now, and this is Brown Eyes. Brown Eyes. <laughs> So that was Brown Eyes, a very instantly very different sound to the rest of the album, I think, on this one. It almost feels like, I think, that it's it could have been the song playing over the credits uh, at the end of a film. Uh, and the reason for that, most likely, is because this one is written with an absolute legend, Mr. Walter Afanasieff. And apologies, Walter, if I'm getting your name wrong. Now, Walter has worked on some iconic film songs. He co-wrote My Heart Will Go On, License to Kill, A Whole New World, but also he co-wrote All I Want for Christmas Is You with Mariah Carey. I mean, just what a what a discography there. Uh, what a rich man he must be. Uh, well, yeah, that's the <laughs> point. <laughs> but by gum, that man knows how to write a, a huge, just an, an anthem, doesn't he? A hit record, a pop mm. record. Pop song. So talking about all those incredible songs, Will, how, how's this one for you? It's quite um, quite saccharine sweet. It's just not, it's not for me. Yeah. And to be fair, I expected that. Uh, I, expe- but, I expected that from you, actually. <laughs> but it's still not time to talk about the album artwork. No, I've got a good feeling when that's going to be. But yeah, I I don't know so much that this song works in this album, again, because it is so, you said very sweet. I think it's almost Disney-fied in a way, but I, I genuinely really like it. And I love the simplicity of the lyrics. I know that he loves me because he told me so. I know that he loves me because his feelings show. I just think it's a, a great song that maybe isn't used to its full potential right here. Track Number 13 now. And Dan, this is what that book was called that that photographer said he wanted to take photos of you for. The Story of Beauty. So the story of beauty there, and just to correct what I said before the start of the track, uh, it wasn't a book, it was a website. And he wasn't a photographer. And he was arrested soon after. 
Uh, I really like this track, Dan. It's got a great kind of 90s, early noughties kind of commercial R&B beat to it. Yep, completely agree. Like kind of Maya and things like that that were around at the time. And I think it's the beats. It's the, is it, would you say it's a harp sound that's been plucked through that? Yeah, it's something quite plucky, isn't it? Mm. Uh, little drips and drops of electronics. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, co-written with Ken Fambro, this one. That, not familiar with him. No, not personally. So track 14, then the penultimate song on the album. And this is a gospel medley. Thank you, Lord, hallelujah. You've been so good to me. Thank you, Lord, hallelujah. I'm grateful for my blessings. I'm grateful for my struggles, trials and tribulations I've been through. What a great time to talk about the fantastic album artwork. Uh, and uh, this is an iconic shot of the three girls uh you've got uh, beyonce at the front you've got kelly on the right and you've got the other one on the left hand side there as well and they all look absolutely fabulous looks like uh they uh, uh just about to go out to the club and mrs knowles has snapped a quick picture of the girls before they uh, get in their uber and interestingly well mrs knowles uh she did the hair and makeup on the shoot. Oh, yes, because she's, she's an Avon lady, isn't she? So she had <laughs> she all the kit, kittens. Yes. Yeah. And then you've got Destiny Child Survivor in a kind of metallic, uh, and then we're wearing a sort of metallic-y tones, metallic-y, uh, futuristic-y font. Font watch. Talking of lovely covers, Will, what do you think of this cover of three legendary gospel tracks? Not for me. Likewise. I have to say, I think... This, for anyone who doesn't know, this is uh, made up of Holy is the Lamb, Jesus Loves Me, and Total Praise. Uh, and they the, the vocals are fantastic. You can't take away from that. But it's just a bit much. It's just, it doesn't suit the rest of the sound of the album, I don't think. Um, it's a bit preachy almost for people who don't, you know, who aren't Christian or don't, don't believe that or maybe don't even want to hear about that. And when we've been, you know, talking about sexy daddies and... You know, eating apple pie off booties, people, yeah. booties, and all that kind of thing. I just think, you know, maybe if they were playing live and they did a little interlude, you'd think that's really impressive. But yeah, not not for now. Uh, Dan, do you still believe that Jesus loves you? I know you were clinging on to that a while ago. Uh, no, because I did actually get a message from him in the end, and uh, he said he hates me. Well, at least he was clear. Mm. At least you know where you stand. So we're on to the last track of the album proper, and this is Outro, DC3, thank you. Sometimes they don't want to give your credit to you. Wouldn't be a Destiny's Child if it wasn't for you. DC3 forever, I'm thanking you. Lord, thank you for your vision that we see down here on earth. Thank you for your precious gifts, your sweet precious gift of love. Through everything, can't no one come between us three. Michelle, huh? Ain't it funny? God always knows what he's doing. And he showed me some of that when he came into me and B's life. And just let us know that we can... So that was the, the outro, the last track on the album. Outro, DC3, thank you. Uh, what an awful track. What an <laughs> awful way to end the album. 
it completely agree with you, Will. It's it's. I'm, I'm actually a bit frustrated about these last two songs because before this, I thought it was a great album. I thought maybe the last couple of songs not as strong as previous things, but some great album tracks, some fantastic legendary singles. And then to end it all with these two songs, and particularly with this song, it's, again, like the previous song, it's a nice idea. It's a nice sentiment. Maybe it could have been a bonus track on a limited version of the album, but to actually close the album proper with this, I'm annoyed, Will. No, Dan, it could have been the sleeve notes in the C- in the album release, like everybody yeah, else. Exactly. And, you know, you know, we could, at the end of every episode, we could do outro TBT2, thank you, and over a beat, thank you, Will, you did a great job today. I wasn't quite sure what you said about, you know, thought that was quite offensive or whatever, whatever, whatever. But we're not going to, because we're more professional than that. So, Dan, before we go into further listening, just a quick word on the album's performance and reception. I have to say it was it was reasonably well received across the board. NME 7 out of 10, Q 3 out of 5, Rolling Stone 3.5 out of 5, uh, Vibe 3 out of 5. And critically, I think it was praised and criticised in equal measure, which I think is quite a fair whack. Yeah. 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 Sure. Uh, apart from the New York Times, who uh, really didn't like it. <laughs> so, oh. there we are. Quite snooty, actually, aren't they, over there? Yeah. That lot. Let's, let's make things up with some further listening. Yes, because I think, actually, this is one of the very few albums this year that we both agree has petered out. So, let's lift things up. And I'm, I'm raising my hands in honour of you. Uh, further listening time. And, Will, I'd love for you to go first. So I'm going to dive in with a bonus track, uh, additional track uh, called Dance With Me. So that was Dance With Me. That would have made a brilliant album track uh, and they could have taken out uh, one of the last couple of tracks on the album. I just think it's got a great beat to it, great sort of R&B beat to it. Uh, wonderful organ in there, but also there's a great bounce with the Dance With Me. Du, du, du. Yeah, this would have been uh, a great album track. And we sh- I don't think we mentioned this at the start, actually. This may have been an album track for you because on the... Today we did the 15-track standard edition of the album, but on the 18-track international edition, uh, this was uh, an album track as well as Perfect Man and My Heart Still Beats. And uh, we-, we didn't have time to go through all of those today. So... Uh, hence our decision but um yeah a great song and written and produced with soul shock and carlin who are behind uh jojo's leave and whitney's heartbreak hotel oh we've all spent a few nights in there over the years Mm. dan what have you gone for i have gone for a remix a remix of the single that i didn't know was a single so really uh thankful for this episode for introducing me to this today this is Maurice's new soul remix radio edit of nasty girl Girl, 
So that was the Marisa's New Soul Remix radio edit of Nasty Girl. I love how this has turned what was one of the more sparsely produced songs, I'd say, uh, on the album. It makes it ready for the club, adds some real groove, adds wonderful bass. I think it's a club hit. Will, what do you think? Yes, it's a kind of bouncy, kind of almost club dance club light, almost like a wet, bouncy club hit. Wet, do you say? Yeah. <laughs> a wet, bouncy club. Sounds fun. Um, I think it's more to do with the percussion in it, but I think it's it's got a real bounce to it, but it's got quite a little bit of a... It's a bit of a wetty. <laughs> oh, God. What a shame. Wetty bombetty. She is a nasty girl. She's doing a wetty in the club. We're out of time. So that is our episode celebrating 20 years of Destiny's Child Survivor. Do let us know your thoughts on the album and the episode at Track by Track UK. Yeah, right, Destiny love. (laughs) And do give us a moment to give us a rating and a review uh, over on Apple Podcasts as well. And do take a moment to follow us on Apple Podcasts as well. It's not subscribe anymore, I've just realised. Yeah. Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease as to what's coming up next on Track by Track? I can. So next week we are once again talking about an iconic three-piece girl band. And once again, we're talking about the album after a lineup shake. Uh, but this time we're celebrating 30 years. I told me, kitten. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. <laughs> so... To say anything more would be to give it away. So until next time, I've been Farah Fawcett. And I've been Mrs. Knowles, Avon Lady to the Stars. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, you're probably thinking of Latavia. N- no, I've said her, lovey. Uh, you're probably thinking of Latoya. No, La- I've said her. Oh. <laughs> Oh, and apparently, interesting story, that uh, this track was submitted uh, to the Chinese Angel soundtrack by uh, Matthew Knowles, their manager, without knowledge, uh, by Destiny's Child. Well, proof once again that you'd never listen to anything I say, because I did say that about three minutes ago. But you were so busy thinking about your Nick Knowles line that followed (laughs) that you didn't take any of it in. It's good night from me. <laughs> and it's good night from him. <laughs> and I said to the producers. <laughs> <laughs>